Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is, whatever, wherever you are tuning in. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Chris Luard. I'll be giving a Dharma talk today on the topic of loving kindness. Now, uh, I have a couple of things prepared that I may or may not get into today. We'll see. Um, but uh, first and foremost, I'd like to start uh, today's session with just a little bit of a guided meditation as a way of kind of uh, setting the ground, setting the mood uh, for this uh, Facebook Live session or Instagram Live. Or you might be watching this on a recording video. That's fine too. Welcome in any format. Thanks for, for joining me. So I'll just do maybe two minutes, maybe three minutes of a guided meditation uh, to, again, set the ground, set the mood, and then we'll uh, move into the talk on loving kindness. So thank you for joining me. I'll ring the bell. And so the invitation here for this meditation is really just to bring yourself into the present moment with an open heart, an open mind. If you'd like, you can ground your awareness on the experience of breathing and simply noticing the sensations of the breath as they enter and leave the nose. Noticing the breath as it touches the back of the throat, perhaps simply noticing the temperature changing from cooler to warmer there. And I'll invite you to allow awareness to include the expanding and contracting of the rib cage, the rising and falling of the abdomen as you inhale and exhale. Perhaps noticing the back moving out as you breathe in and in as you breathe out. You might also notice the shoulders rising and falling with each breath. And if it's easier just to notice the breath at the nose or the abdomen rising and falling, that's fine. The invitation is to experience the entire breathing process. Whatever works for you any and all of those sensations are present moment experiences. So really the idea is to bring our awareness and attention into the present moment through the experience of breathing. Also acknowledging that sensations of the body are always present moment experiences as well. 
So you might choose to bring your attention and awareness by noticing sensations of feet against the mat or floor. You might notice the weight of the body against the cushion or chair, mat or floor. Perhaps noticing the hands resting against the body or touching each other. You might also notice sensations of clothing against the back and shoulders. Any kinesthetic sensations arising throughout the face and the top of the head, the very crown of the head. We may also acknowledge that sounds are always present moment experiences as well. So we may choose to bring our attention and awareness to the present moment through the sense of hearing, in addition to the sensations of the breath and body. So if you choose this route into the present moment, you can select one sound or if you wish, you can rest with the entire canopy of sounds. And so we'll just rest here for a few breaths, resting into this present moment experience. And in a few moments, we'll shift back into a conversational space. Whatever space works for you to allow the talk that I'm about to give to be heard, allowing the words to land on the ears and into the mind and heart. So we'll make this transition now by ringing the bell. Okay, thank you for that. Thank you for joining me for that brief meditation. Now, as some of you may know or may remember, I was doing these uh, live sessions uh, pretty well daily uh, for several months uh, during the beginning of the COVID crisis as a way of kind of alleviating uh, the tension and stress that I perceived to be arising throughout the world. 
Uh, if you wish to view any of those, they're all available on my, uh, on my website and on YouTube, on Instagram as well. I won't be doing daily sessions now. I, I've got a lot going on. Um, but I will be doing sessions uh, twice a week. At this time, on Friday mornings here in Asia, or Thursday evenings in the, in the States, or in the North America, South America area. Uh, and uh, at this same time of day on Monday, which is Sunday evening, uh, again in the States. So uh, tune in for any of those that you wish. Uh, they're not a, a series. So you can join uh, for any of that and you can receive benefit. I'm still not sure exactly what I'm going to talk about uh, on Monday, but we'll see. <laughs> It'll be good. So, uh, just as a, a quick announcement, I, I am uh, facilitating and hosting a retreat, an online meditation retreat on loving kindness. That's one of the reasons why I decided to do the talk today on loving kindness. It's kind of a way of uh, bringing people around uh, to signing up for the retreat. Uh, now, this retreat will be offered uh, in 90-minute sessions on Thursday evenings and Sunday evenings, uh, beginning on January 3rd, and that's at 9 p.m. East Coast time, and runs through February 4th. So it's twice a week, we'll be doing 90-minute sessions. Now, if you can't make one of those days, or I, I had one student who couldn't make it, uh, he could only make it once a week on the last online re meditation retreat that I ran, and that's fine. All of these sessions are done over Zoom and will be recorded and made available only to people who sign up for the retreat as a way of holding the retreat container. Also, there will be a set of agreements at the beginning of the retreat uh, holding that container so that whatever uh, questions that are asked or whatever is discussed in the retreat, there's a, uh, it doesn't get uh, brought outside of the retreat. And so um, that allows for a deeper conversation on the, the Q&As. Uh, and so we need to hold that uh, container for the retreat participants only. So those recordings won't be available like all of my other recordings are. <laughs> uh, sorry for that. So uh, again, uh, January 3rd to February 4th, this will be a dive uh, deep into the practices of loving kindness. And in this retreat, we really set out on a voyage to discover, as Rumi said, the barriers which we erect, which keep loving kindness out. He said, Rumi said in, in great, uh, beautiful poetry, uh, our task is not to find love, but to find the barriers which we have erected, which keep love from us. And so in the practices of loving kindness, uh, we set out on that voyage to find those barriers. And uh, we get to know them intimately. We get to see uh, what they're about. And then we get to uh, cultivate tools as a way of allowing loving kindness to flow around those barriers and into our heart. So loving kindness becomes much more accessible to us through these practices. 
so for more details on the Retreat of Loving Kindness, please do go visit my website, www.suchsweetthunder.org, or you can go to the Such Sweet Thunder Facebook page on the events column. Uh, all of the details are there as well. So as a way of launching into the talk today, I really would like to read the Metta Sutta. Metta is a Pali word and a Sanskrit word which translates directly to loving-kindness. The Metta Sutta was delivered by the Buddha to his disciples when one of his disciples was questioning, how do we practice loving-kindness? You know, he'd heard the Buddha speak of loving-kindness but he wasn't clear on how to practice that, and so the Buddha delivered this beautiful, beautiful discourse. This is what should be done. By those who are skilled in goodness and who know the path of peace, let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm, wise and skillful, not proud and demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove, wishing. In gladness and in safety may all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they be weak or strong, omitting none. The great or the mighty, the medium, the short or the small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another, even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child. So with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading through the skies and downward to the depths, outward and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will, whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desire, is freed from repetitive rebirth, a repetitive existence, if you will. Wow, he says a lot there in just a few paragraphs, right? So there's many, many short passages here that I could unpack, and uh, I don't have time to really unpack the whole Metta Sutta today, and perhaps I will go deeper into that in, uh, as we go through these talks. I do want to point out how thorough the Buddha is here. I mean, really. 
in gladness and in safety may all beings be at ease. And, and we kind of, you know, when we, you know, say a prayer to people or things like that, we think, yeah, all beings, that's nice, right? And then, you know, part of us holds back, well, except for those people over there who, you know, believe something that I don't believe in, or those people over there. We, we, hold, we tend to hold those back. We hold back from those uh, people that we don't identify with. That's our, that's natural. It's a part of the human condition. The Buddha says, no. He says, all beings, whatever beings there may be, whether they be weak or strong, omitting none, the great, the mighty, the medium, the short, the small, the seen, the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born. He goes on and on. But what I would really like to dive into today is this last paragraph. The Buddha says, by not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, the wise one, the, the sage, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desire is freed from repetitive existence. That could easily be translated, that last phrase, being freed from all sense desire is freed from suffering. And, and being freed from repetitive existence, that's being freed from samsara, being freed from suffering. And he says here, he says, I love this, it's one of my favorites. He says, by not holding to fixed views, pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, is freed from suffering. Because he knew, even back then, 25, 2600 years ago, what is it that keeps us from extending loving kindness from everyone, from the entire world? It's our fixed views, right? Our beliefs our dogmas. We get so trapped in this is right and that is wrong. And we can see this really, uh, this condition uh, rampant in the world today, particularly uh, this current political situation in America. We forget that the, the beliefs that we hold on to, the views that we cling to, the truths that we, we know they're correct because so many of our friends tell us they're correct. Those views are only lines on the map of reality. They're not the reality itself. And we forget that. I think, you know, this is how it is. This is the truth of the situation. And any other view is simply a wrong view.
And this comes up time and time again in the Buddha's teachings, which I find to be actually quite ironic because Buddhism itself is guilty of falling into dogma. And in the Atagavada, Atta, I'm going to get that name wrong, the Atagavaga, the Atagavaga Sutta, the chapter of the eights, in the Sutta Napaya, the Buddha says, wrong-minded people do voice opinions, as do truth-minded people. When an opinion is stated, the sage is not drawn in. There is nothing fixed about the sage. Sage being shorthand here for the wise one. Now the Buddha wasn't saying that there is no view, and we, you know, that we we aren't to have any kind of view about the world. That would be challenging. Views will arise. Opinions will arise. And he's warning us about that. Don't mistake that for the, for the real territory. Know that your opinions, your views, your beliefs are simply lines on the map. Don't hold on to those, and particularly don't hold on to those at the expense of taking care of your human brothers and sisters and in fact, really all sentient beings. So the practice of loving-kindness, and we, traditionally this is practiced in stages, and this is how we will do it on the online retreat, where we bring loving kindness to ourself first. We really uh, extend that heart to our own heart. We extend that hand of compassion, that hand of loving kindness on our own heart. The Buddha also said, in many places, he said, if, if, he said, you yourself are as deserving or more deserving than your own loving kindness, uh, for your own loving kindness. And to, to never exclude yourself in that wish that all beings be happy. And so we start there as a base. Now this can be done in many ways. We traditionally uh, offer loving kindness to ourselves through phrases, may I be happy, may I be safe, may I, be, uh, may I live a life of peace, and so forth. May I be without struggle. It can also be done by taking the view of somebody else in your life that has given you generosity that has given you loving kindness and attempting to see yourself through their eyes 
that can be one way of bringing yourself loving kindness as well. Another great technique is to visualize your future self. And then have your future self extend you that loving kindness, that warmth, that compassion. These are all ways that we can start to cultivate loving kindness. And we'll, again, dive deep into these techniques on the online meditation retreat. So do sign up for that if you're curious. Uh, I might do a guided meditation here. I probably will, actually. I usually do. Uh, not today, but at the next episode. So we start there with ourself. And then we extend loving kindness out to people we love, people we're fond of. That's pretty, you know, that feels pretty good, right? Then we expand our circle of care and loving kindness to include people we don't know, strangers, people we have neutral feelings towards. That can be a little bit challenging. We're not used to giving that kind of energy to people we don't know, right? So here we're stretching that circle of care and compassion much in the same way that one might stretch their legs and back when doing yoga. We begin to stretch our heart so that we have more capacity to offer loving kindness to others. Now, in doing that practice, we also begin to recognize how we've kept loving kindness out. We, as Rumi said, we start to notice those barriers. As the practice unfolds more, we extend loving kindness out to people we don't like very much. In traditional Buddhism, this is called the perceived enemy. That can be quite challenging, but so worth it. And I'll talk more about loving kindness for the perceived enemy uh, maybe on Monday. We'll see. Then we extend loving kindness to the entire world. And it was the great Albert Einstein. I, I didn't plan on reading this, but I'm going to read it because I think it pertains to what I've just said here. Uh, Albert Einstein, who talks about uh, loving kindness, expanding loving kindness to the entire world. Let me see if I can find it here. It'd be worth reading. Hmm. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Ah, I have found it. A human being is a part of the whole, called by us universe, a part limited by time and space. He or she limits themselves, their thoughts and feelings, as something separated from the rest kind of optical delusion of their consciousness. This delusion 
is a kind of prison for us, restricting us to our own personal desires and to affection for a few persons nearest to us. Our task, therefore, must be to free ourselves from this prison by widening our circle of compassion and loving kindness to embrace all living creatures and the whole of nature in its beauty. All living creatures. Again, the great scientist Albert Einstein illustrating his uh, understanding of the Metta Sutta there. Not holding on to fixed views. God. Not holding on to fixed views. So, how is that done? <laughs> well, as I said, those fixed views and beliefs, those are just lines on the map. That doesn't mean that all of these fixed views are equal. And as in ages past and currently, there are people who are clinging to fixed views and dogma that are causing hurt and harm to people. There is systemic racism. There is violence in the name of gods. There is discrimination. These two are lines on the map of the territory. But those maps which exclude people, those maps which have racism drawn into them, those maps which cause hurt and harm and violence, are very, very, very outdated maps. It's like the map that a sailor might have used in the 1400s to try to cross the Atlantic. There's so much missing there. So if you recognize a friend, a family member, a stranger, a perceived enemy, a group of people that are going about their life with these outdated maps, we must move forward to show them that their map is outdated. But we must do that through compassion and through loving kindness. So these practices aren't a way of condoning bad behavior. No spiritual practice no contemplative practice should be used to condone behavior which is causing hurt or harm 
which is excluding a particular group or favoring a group over another. Those are outdated maps. So how do we know when we're holding on to a fixed view? It's very challenging, right? We think, well, that's just the way the world is. Right? We think, oh, it's, it's so hot outside. It's, that's nasty hot. I gotta turn on the air conditioning. But then somebody else who's grown up in a very hot climate might think, oh, this is wonderful weather, finally. Comfortable. These are fixed views. And so when you find yourself moving forward in a conversation, confronting another, ask yourself, what, what am I holding on to here? Is resistance necessary here? What am I pushing forth in this conversation or conflict. There might be physical sensations in the body, a clenching of the jaw, a tightening in the abdomen. Is this map more inclusive or less inclusive? Is this map harming or helping. Here the Buddha again in this fourth chapter of the chapter of eights says, nowhere does a wise one hold contrived views about it is or it is not. How could the wise one succumb to these, having let go of illusions and conceit? The wise remain uninvolved. The involved get drawn into conflicting opinions about truth. What opinion can you dispute with one who is uninvolved? The wise does not take up or discard any view, for they have shaken them all off. Elsewhere, he says, this is, I love this actually. The wise let go of one position without taking another. They are not defined by what they know or what they do not know. They do not join a dissenting faction. The wise cling to no view at all. Elsewhere in the Samyutta Nikaya, the Buddha says, what the wise in the world would agree upon as existing, I too, say that exists. 
what the wise in the world agree upon as non-existing, I too say that does not exist. So the Buddha here is uh, content on relying on the doctors of the day, the medical doctors, the scientists, the politicians. He relied on King Persenity, was one of his main benefactors. He was content to let the specialists do their job. In that way, he didn't need to go to debate against the people who were opposing the scientists and doctors and specialists. He was content to rest, content to teach teachings on loving kindness, on mindfulness, on wisdom, on compassion. not holding on to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, is freed from repetitive suffering. Letting go of these lines on the map, I can disagree with you, and I can love you. You might vote for a politician, and I might vote for an opposing politician, and I can hold you in loving kindness. You might be indeed holding an outdated map. And with joy and compassion and equanimity and loving kindness, I'll try to illustrate and reveal a more current, more inclusive map. What the world needs now is love, as Bert Bacharach so profoundly composed in his song. Not love for my brother and sister, which I do love them. Not love for the family, which I do. Not love for the tribe, or gang, or community, or not love for the same football team or baseball team. Not love for the friends, 
This is all important and all existing right now. But what we need is a global love, a global tribe, a global family. By not holding on to fixed views, This type of love requires a brave heart. So, I think that's all I will say today. Uh, I'm going to go deeper and deeper into loving kindness throughout the month of December. It's the holidays, after all. <laughs> what could be more fitting than a deep dive into the practices of loving kindness? Today I emphasize loving kindness is brought forth by the Buddha. That's my comfort ground. That's where my training lies mostly in practices of Buddhism. I will be diving deep into the teachings of Christ, Sufism. We'll, we'll uh, dive deep a bit into Hebrew teachings as well. By the way, happy Hanukkah for those who are celebrating Hanukkah. And please do join me. I'll be back on Monday morning in Asia, Sunday evening, in the States for another episode, Facebook Live, uh, again, diving deep into loving kindness. Thanks again. I'll ring the bell to make it official. <laughs>